Hi, everyone. Welcome to Maroon 5, a podcast for people who love to listen and talk about music. My name is Jim Bowen, and I'll be your host. Each week, I'll have a new guest and challenge them to give me five choices of music they would take if marooned on a desert island. Three albums, one compilation, and one song. Today's guest that I'd like to welcome to the show is the one and only Mr. Paul Turner. He is the mouth of the Scottish South. Well, maybe not, but he does have a show on local radio, TD1, called Crackers and Cheese. It's on every Saturday from 6 to 8. I had to give him a shout out because before he came on the show tonight, he gave me a shout out on his radio show last week, and I tuned in to catch that very moment. Very, very, very thankful for that, Paul. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? No, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to having a chat with you about some, uh, some great albums. Yeah, yeah. You know, Paul, you're another example of someone who I brought onto the show who isn't really a musician yourself. You have a, a love of music, but I, I've really enjoyed going through your choices because everybody that I bring on kind of has their own style or their own thing that you're into. And you have a very heavy influence in your listening taste in ska and reggae music. Absolutely. I do indeed. It goes back to, yeah, 12 year old, I think. Yeah. Years, then. Tell me about how that started for you, your interest in ska and reggae. So I guess, you know, I'm thinking back, it was the school discos. It was definitely the school discos. So, you know, first year school disco, you'd go along and suddenly you would hear something like House of Fun. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's a great catchy song. Let's get dancing to that. And, you know, being a typical lad, as we were, 12, 13, lots of energy. And uh, that just, it just caught me, that type of music. Oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. Who's this? You know, so I'd maybe probably heard Madness on the radio a little bit before that, I guess, you know, Baggy Trousers and Barrisman, the, the earlier stuff. No. But going, going to the school discos, yeah, that, that's where it kind of started for us. That's great. I, I said to you as we were preparing for the show that I think you are the friend that I have that is best at stalking celebrities and meeting them without seeming like a stalker (laughs) yourself. And we're going to get into that when we talk about these artists, because a lot of the guys that we're going to talk about guys and gals, we're going to talk about tonight. You, you have met and it's amazing that you've been able to do that. I have been very, very lucky indeed. And yes, I've got a couple of stories for you. (laughs) Did you have any hesitations with putting any of these songs or these albums on the list? It was very difficult, I must say. Um, I've got a collection in front of me, and there's, you know, just just looking to my right here, there's 200 albums easily, you know, 200 vinyl albums. And mm-hmm. for you to turn around to me and say, right, Paul, I want you to pick three. I'm like, oh, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. That's impossible. However, I just very quickly, after we spoke just the other day, and you said I need to pick out three albums, I just thought, right, what is the first three albums that, 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 that come into my head that kind of stand out? And that's what I've done. I just said, right, I'm going to go with these three, pick them out, and that's my choices. That's fantastic. What I like about your choices is that they they span an entire career of artists in their eras. And it's it's a very special selection that you have. So what I want you to do is decide on your first choice. What is your Castaway Cut album number one? Album number one. It's got to be Mr. Paul Heaton uh, and his band, The Beautiful South. uh, And it is their first album, which is entitled Welcome to the Beautiful South, from 1989. I was 18 uh, then. I can understand why at 18 that that album appealed to you, definitely. I first heard The Beautiful South in 1997 in Edinburgh. I was staying with someone who had their carry-on up the charts 
yep. album. And I remember hearing it for the first time, Beautiful South Never Broken the States. I never heard them there. I, I was unaware of this music. Maybe they did, but it wasn't in the 90s grunge stuff, you know, that I was really associating with when they were coming through and, and creating all these hits over here in the UK. And the first song that played on that CD could very well be the first track that's on this album. And I remember hearing that voice Mm-hmm. straight away and knowing that this is something that's very special so why was it special to you yeah i'm the song you're uh, referring to song for whoever jennifer allison philippa sue you know all, all, all the girls names it's, it's a fantastic song but i would have to start further back because i i first heard paul heaton in the house martins so that's right. i'm not going to touch too much on that but you know back in 1985 86 when the house martins launched I was, you know, I was into madness then, but I was 15, so I was getting a little bit older. And that's where I first heard Paul Heaton, you know, Happy Hour, mm-hmm. Build, Five Got Over Excited, Me and the Farmer, that kind of stuff. So I was really into Paul Heaton then. And of course, 1988, the House Martins disbanded. I thought, oh, what's happening here? What's going on? And then suddenly, a few months later, you've got the Beautiful South come along. So he took with him Dave Hemingway, mm-hmm. who was on drums for the House Martins at that point. But then Dave took on a sort of not a lead vocal, but certainly a, a main vocal alongside Paul Heaton. And, uh, and then later on, obviously, they introduced the, the woman. So Brianna Corrigan mm-hmm. was on, and then Jackie came along. But, but this album, it was like, for me, it's like, oh, Paul Heaton's back. Great. What's what's he doing now, you know? So uh played the album, and just just fantastic. And song for whoever charted at number two. It did, yeah. Big, big hit. There was a number eight song on there as well. There was a second song on there that charted in the U.K., I'll Sail This Ship Alone was also a single from that album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also You Keep It All In, which was that, a big one. You that was the big one. In. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul, he, and he, to me, he's a lyrical genius. He really, I mean, the amount of stuff I have in front of me and, on vinyl and, and, and CD, I've got his whole collection. So one mm-hmm. thing for your listeners about me is if I like an artist, I like an artist and I go in deep. You know, I, I don't just listen to a song. Well, oh, that's a nice song. I'm going to buy that CD and that's it. You know, I got it to Paul Heaton, right? I've got everything by that as well. <laughs> everything by the beautiful side. I've got all these solo stuff, you know. Um, and I love just the way he writes music and, and obviously his voice. Mm-hmm. But going back to this album in particular, the reason I've picked this album is actually for track number eight. Now, okay. track number eight is called Women in the Wall. Now, I had a personal tragedy in my life back then um, in June. So end of June, July. And anybody that knows me that's maybe tuned in, they'll understand, they'll remember that. Um, it was a big, big personal tragedy. I, I lost my mum. But when I played that song, when I listened to the album and played that song, it, it was just like, wow, this this song feels like it's meant for me. And Paul Heaton has a way of doing that. When he writes songs, it's like, you can relate to just about every song he's written. You think, yeah, I can relate to that. And, and I really did with that song. Um, and that's why that album, just I still play it often. I even played the song yesterday. Well, that's how music's supposed to touch us. Thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. You have been fortunate to meet some of the folk from the beautiful south i think i remember seeing a facebook post where there was paul heaton driving his car to the gig and you happened to see him in traffic and were able to snap a picture of it is this something i saw do i remember this quite quite bizarre how things happen sometimes so (laughs) so before that one we'll go back a little bit so okay in 2012 i had a pub in gala shields just outside gala shields i was running a pub and Mm -hmm. and I noticed on, I think it was on Facebook somewhere that Paul Heaton was doing a solo tour. He was calling it a 50-50 tour where he'd cycle 50 miles 
uh, to a gig, and then he'd play that gig. Then he'd go the next day, cycle another 50 miles and play another gig. So they were looking for smaller venues. So I emailed and I said, oh, you know, got a little uh, sort of hotel in the borders. Would love you to come and play. So I've got a reply saying, thanks, but we've got all the, you know, all the venues. However, we'll pop in for a, for a chat and we'll maybe do a wee acoustic set. And I thought, well, that's brilliant. Fantastic. However, then the next week I got another email saying, there's another venue pulled out. We can give you the Saturday night in awesome. Do a job, and we'll do a full set. And I'm like, oh, dreams come true, you know. <laughs> so, um, so Paul and his solo band came, uh, and we had a sellout in the car park. But I had a marquee, held about 400 people, and wow. we just had an amazing night and sitting drinking. You know, at the end of the night, having a few drinks with Paul and bringing all my house battles albums. And my people <laughs> said, and I'm like, Paul, would you sign these for me? You know. And he was great. He really was. He signed every single one. And thankfully, I've kept in touch with the drummer and the guitarist that he mm -hmm. still works with now. So the great thing about that is the gigs over the last few years, <laughs> I would send a quick email. Oh, I'm coming down to see you at Stockport. What's the chances of coming backstage and saying hi? You know? <laughs> a little bit cheeky. So done that a number of times. And I've been so lucky that they've let me do that. So I've taken a few friends, my son, my daughter, and, and managed to catch Paul and Jackie at the end of a gig. Uh, and just sit and chat, and they're so, they're so nice, so lovely people to sit and talk to. You know? That's great, and it absolutely is a, a great reason to love their music because, you know, when we like the people making our music, it makes a big difference. But when they treat you like that, mm -hmm. when you get that kind of personal treatment, when you, I don't think people realize that you can reach out, and probably ninety nine percent of the time, you're gonna get turned down by somebody if you want them to come and play or do something like that. But there's always a possibility. And that was brilliant. Referring back to your question when you said about the car, so that was only just two, two three months ago. So they played in Newcastle. Paul was on tour in Newcastle um, at the big arena there, uh, 10,000 people. We were driving down, almost sort of at the roundabout to turn in towards Newcastle City mm -hmm. Centre, and uh, looks in the mirror. <laughs> behind me. I said, that, that's Paul Heaton, definitely, you know. So I uh, looked, and here, there he was. He was being driven to the venue over surprise manager quick snap with the camera i wasn't driving by the way just i'll say that to the listeners I <laughs> passenger seat actually did he see you no he didn't see me okay. but i sent the picture to his drummer uh pete marshall if you're listening pete you're a great guy love you a bit uh, so i sent it to pete and uh pete sent me a message back just you know laughing trust you you know that's great that's great Pete, if you're listening to this, I'm blown away by the fact that the drummer for Paul Heaton's listening to this show. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, Paul, I think that's a fantastic selection. Your first choice is great. I'm super excited to put it into my collection of music that I'm going to listen to. Well, Paul, let's move on to Castaway Cut number two, and you get to choose your second album. So my second album, I'm going to go for UB40, and it's a more recent album. This is called For The Many. Uh, this was released in 2019. Very recent. Yeah, there's a lot happened in UB40 over the last few years. and A bit of history there. And, of course, Ali Campbell, the main lead singer from the band, is no longer there. You know, he left in, in 2008, 2009. Yes. And there's been a lot of a lot of bad publicity around that. And it's a shame. Um, however, you know, he, he's gone. And mm -hmm. the rest of the band remain. Most of them, there is a couple that went with him. So this album, I was really looking forward to this when I heard this was coming out because Robin, Ali's brother, of yep. course, the lead guitar, he sings, uh, he doesn't sing very often, but certainly track one, The Keeper, on this album, is mm -hmm. a beautiful track, beautiful track, sung by Robin Campbell. 
uh, and just love it. And I was just so pleased when I got that album out 2019, and they were touring. They were touring at the time as well, so I was very lucky. I was able to speak to the drummer uh, on the phone uh, via the radio station, and I was able to interview Jimmy Brown as well. Oh, that's fantastic! So I was able to chat a little bit about that album with him. Mm -hmm. But yes, so yeah, 2019 for the many UB40s. The album we're discussing. It's a really good album. There's a, a great mix of love song and politics on the album. Politics straight away when you look at the cover of the album and you realize it was released in 2019 and you know about the Greenfell Towers and what had gone on and you know they're putting up a, a, a block of power flats as part of their picture. That was intentional. Mm -hmm. They meant to do that. UB40 have always made a statement about politics in their music. They've not shied back, but that's common for reggae music, for ska music, and we'll get into that <laughs> as well. I really, really, really loved the song Gravy Train. I don't know why. There was something so fun about it. There's also never been a song in my life where Choo Choo had been so significant. And I just found myself in the kitchen, like a, a, like a five-year-old pumping my arm, like Choo Choo, yeah, the train is coming, Choo Choo. It's fun. It, it is a brilliant track, a, a fantastic track. And uh, yeah, I would, I would sort of recommend your listeners check it out, going to... Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you, you choose, and mm -hmm. uh, and give it a listen. Um, there is a great message in there. Absolutely, you're right. There's a lot of politics on this album. Uh, you know, even track eight, Bulldozer, you know, it's all about Mr. Trump. Um, but yeah, Gravy Train, it's just got such an amazing melody and a great bass line. And yeah, it just, you get bobbing. You know, you're, you're, it does. And you're listening and you want to dance and sing along. It does. The, the album, I put it on and it was just so easy to listen to. The only thing I'll say about the song Bulldozer, it was the only song I had a problem with, is that at the end of it, when you listen to that song in headphones, there's this bit that goes, wow, 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 wow. And it pans back and forth. And I was sitting there just like, I, I love the whole album. I'm just going to bring up that one bit. I can't agree with everybody that comes on the show. And it goes to show that I do my homework. Yeah, yeah well done. You, you, you but there's that one bit in that song that I thought, if I'm going to complain to Paul about anything on the show today, it's just that hey, when you go back and listen to it, I hope it doesn't ruin the song for you. Probably if you're not listening to it in headphones, it doesn't have the same bouncing effect. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually sung by the bass player, uh, Errol Faulkner. Errol doesn't sing on many songs at all with UB40. If you look back right to 1978 when they started, right through, I could only think of maybe three four or five songs that maybe Errol's done. So Sorry, Errol, if you do ever tune in, you've maybe done a lot more than that, but <laughs> on the top of my head, uh, he doesn't sing very often. He was certainly mm -hmm. not lead singer. But, so it was a bit, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I did really love the, the Keeper, the first song on the album. It's such a great love song. If you haven't heard of the track, it's called Love Is All Is All Right. So mm -hmm. the track's Love Is All Is All Right from about 1981, 82, uh, by UB40. Listen to that. And then you'll realize where the keepers came from. It's very, very similar to, to the keeper. I love that, that it kind of goes right back to early days of UB40. Just when did you discover UB40? Have you been following them ever since their early days in the, the 80s? I, I, I guess it was a similar time to school because, you know, you play, play House of Fun at school discos and then suddenly Red Red Wine would come mm -hmm. on, you know, the biggie. So that was that was it. That kind of, oh, this is great, I like this, and Cherry Old Baby and some of the bigger hits. So, yeah, at that point, UB40 then when I researched were part of the two-tone movement at the beginning so Madness and UB40 toured together way back in 1979 okay. all started albeit 
year before he didn't, you know, go on to the two-tone records. They'd done their own thing. But right at the beginning, when Madness and the Specials and the Selector all came out, UB40 were there at the same time. And, you know, they were all, all link with the two-tone. Coming up together, coming up together. We're, we're going to cross over to talking about ska soon. And while we're sitting here talking about reggae, we know that reggae kind of derived out of ska. And ska was created as part of a celebration for the liberation of Jamaica. And they did the whole upstroke on the guitar. And it was what changed the music and created this happy celebration sound. And what I think is really cool about reggae music is it's, it's just... Do you do you see it as somebody who's a fan of both as just a, a chilled out version? Are they brother and sister? One's just more laid back. Well, yeah. When I think about it, you know, I think back to the school discos and ska, and you're jumping around, you know, um, bouncing about on that dance floor to most of the ska tracks, and then you know what? I need a rest. Let's get some reggae on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Beat and just slow it down, chill it a little bit. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can just imagine, as you say, lying on the beach with a, a drink and. You know, mm-hmm. nice reggae music alongside you. It just totally relaxes you. This album did well enough for UB40 that they actually went and did a compilation album where they re-recorded it and had other guests come in and record with them. They did indeed, yeah. Big Up Bag of Rhythm, they named it. When did that come out? That's very recent, isn't it? That just came out six months ago. So yeah. they initially brought out an album called Bag of Rhythm back mm-hmm. in 1986, which is what they've done with the Labour of Love songs. They got other artists to, you know, sing over the top. So people like Tippa Irie, they came in and done the song. And, and I think he's actually on the Bigger Bag of Rhythm album as well, Tippa Irie. So, yeah, it's a great, great album. Some great songs. So it's all the songs from the album For The Many. Mm-hmm. And then it's, as you say, there's other artists have put their own vocals and lyrics over and lyrics the, the music. So it's another good listen. Uh, and there's a couple of times that Gravy Train is in there, but with different <laughs> lyrics. It is. It's one of the things that I like about the reggae and ska music that I found, and we'll go on to the next album. I almost said the name of the band, but we'll go on to the next album soon is how much of a community and how inclusive that it is. And there aren't a lot of bands I could think of that would ask other artists to take their music and say, write your own lyrics, sing over this, do what you want with it. We're going to put it out as another album. And it's really cool that in that community, they see value in everybody else coming and contributing it. And maybe the goal is to make it better. Maybe it's to make something different to the artists themselves. Maybe it creates a more beautiful experience of writing and recording it the first time and hearing somebody else's take and what would be in their head. But it's really incredible that they do that. Great way, isn't it? You're right. There is, there is a close-knit community. And, you know, when you look at it, you've got, like I said, Tipper Ivy. He's singing on the House of Shem uh, are on there. You've got uh, Kyoko. Now, Kyoko are a Birmingham uh, reggae band, young, younger younger band, and I've seen them mm-hmm. live. Now, their lead singer has now moved to UB40 as the main lead singer. Wow. Uh, Kyoko, now, I don't know if you listen to You Don't Call Me Anymore from the Bigger Bagger, but that's one of my favourite tracks. And... So the lead singer, as I say, he's now moved over and joined UB40 because, unfortunately, Duncan Campbell, who was the brother that was brought in to replace Ali, when Ali mm-hmm. left, Duncan Campbell, the other brother, he came in and sang with him for about 10 years, but he took ill health last year. I um, remember reading that, yeah. So Duncan says, you know, I'm retired, I'm, I'm out of here just now. So it's great that they've got someone like, um, it's Matt from Kyoko, who's got a great voice. That's um, great. Oh, 
So they're still going strong. Ali is is Ali. He's doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Ali Campbell, he was with Astro. And sadly, of course, Astro died um, just last month. Mm-hmm. It was a massive, you know, well, they're all big members of the group, aren't they? Um, so, yeah, sadly, Astro was lost. Um, but Ali's still doing his own He's thing. He's still doing his, yeah. Well, let's move on to our castaway cut choice number three. And as I said, I almost blew the name of this band. I will let you tell us the name of this band and the album. What is it? It is. I've got a big, big poster behind me, by the way. This is from a gig I was at, and the gig's called Madstock. That was Madstock 4 in 1998, where, uh, well, actually, the 1992 one, there was an earthquake. Madness caused an earthquake. Check that out, by the way. That is a true story. Um, With two live gigs, it happened the second night. Um, But the album that I've picked, so yes, we've said it's Madness. (laughs) True story. (laughs) There's another true story, but that's something. This is called The Liberty of Norton Folgate. And this mm-hmm. album was released in 2009. So by that time, obviously, I've you know, spent a lot of years listening to Madness. Uh, and the reason I've picked this album is it's just it's just different. It's so different to what you would expect. You know, you grew up with Madness and that nutty sound and that ska sound, but it just shows the maturity they have in songwriting. Oh, absolutely. The, the intro, the overture is fantastic. When I listened to the album for the first time, I just imagined sitting watching this band live and seeing these strings and horns starting the show. And you can tell when you listen to this album, the albums, it's media for the ears, but you can see this album play out on stage in front of you. It just has such a natural feel for it with the instrumentation. There is a stage show that was done as well. They filmed this. They made made a film of it. Uh, so if you get a chance you can go to youtube Mm -hmm. you can check it out i actually watched it on youtube just three months ago funnily enough and and that was before i spoke to you so it's quite (laughs) interesting i just watched that all the way through and i really really enjoyed um watching sugs and jazz and you know all the different musical instruments that they've got on stage with them you know it's not just madness the band they've got so many other pieces on there but yeah i just think it just shows you what a band can be capable of you know you think of bands in the 80s a big 80s man you know you think oh they were great they were great but where are they now Whereas you've got Madness, you think, well, actually, 40 years later, they're still here. They're still selling out shows. We Are London is a hot track on an album. It's a great start to the album. Immediately when I heard that song, I liked it. I couldn't believe it was Madness. To be honest with you, I was like, what band is this? But then when it comes to Madness, and I look at the history of Madness, and, and when you chose this album, you asked me to go and listen to this song in particular, the title track from it, which I did. And you mentioned to me that they've come a long way since those early 80 days, and they have. But when I when I listen to regular standard ska bands and ska music, and then I listen to Madness, there is a difference in what they do with their music that makes them so special and so different and so amazing. Our house is not a ska song. No. It does not feel like a ska song. Right. <laughs> it must be love does not really feel like a ska song. They have written these fantastic pop classics. But then this album, if if you could say that Eastern London itself had an ethnicity, it would be this music. Yeah. It has it has a lot in it about immigrants. A lot about you know the, the people that have gone there, the struggles in their lives and coming out of that area. It tells a story. Yeah, it absolutely what, tells a story. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of the story of the album and what it's telling? 
just absolute. Well, first of all, you say that you know the title track, love it. Um, Liberty of Not and Forget. That you know it's the final song on the album. It's just so different. <laughs> Ten minutes long, and it it changes. And, but it's about London and the older times, you know, mm-hmm. uh, many, many years ago, sort of this area of London that we're trying to, you know, talk about or, or through the music, you know, let you understand. I um, want to hear the story about you meeting Suggs and spending a night drinking whiskey with him until five o'clock in the morning. There is that story as well. Yeah. I didn't even get to tell you about the time I met Robin Campbell and drank red, red wine. But we'll- <laughs> <laughs> Throw that in there, though. Throw it in. Let us know. <laughs> so we're on Madness. So... Suggs does a stand-up show as well. So he, he does his life story. Now, a few years ago, he was in Dunfermline, of all places. You know mm-hmm. Dunfermline very well. He was doing his show, his stand-up show. A uh, great show. And waited out the back for an hour to get his autograph. And, you know, he did. He came out the back and signed his book for me because I bought his book and um, signed a CD, and T-shirt, things like that. And thank you very much. Off you go. So I was staying at a hotel not too far away, uh, near the bridge. Mm-hmm. And midnight, gets home, parks the car, starts walking up the steps to the hotel, and here's this Mercedes, draws up, and someone gets out. And, ah, looks a bit like Suggs getting out. <laughs> um, so it was. Of course, it was Suggs and his pianist. So they go up the stairs towards the bar. So I'm like, I promise I'm not stalking you, because I just had, you know, had the book signed. So uh, I said, all right, if I buy you a drink, and absolutely, I was allowed to buy him a drink. So uh, if you're ever buying Suggs a drink, a vodka, and Diet Coke. Well, there you go. Favourite. Yep. So the pianist there, we, we were chatting to him as well. Uh, and then John Hasler was also there. Now, John <laughs> Hasler, for anybody that doesn't know, used to be in Madness back in 1978, before they were Madness. Wow. And I think him and Suggs are obviously really good friends, and it was, it was great. He obviously arranged to meet him after mm-hmm. the show, so got to meet him as well. But back to the story, yep, Suggs is there, and we start drinking, we start talking, and, you know, I'm just starstruck. <laughs> You do realise I'm a huge fan, so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to annoy you all night. And he's like, doesn't matter, come and have a drink. And he bought us drinks as well. That's brilliant. That's I was great. asking about, you know, his time at Madness back in the day and how he had touched me with the music and I just got in and, and, and I'm stuck, you know, fan for life. And, and mm-hmm. then I get a bit like Paul Heaton we were talking about earlier that I've got all Madness's albums, every single album, every single single, you know, vinyl, all the re-releases on vinyl. I, I just buy the whole lot. I've got... Um, let's get to your compilation album. And guess what, people? This might be Ska. <laughs> what is your compilation album? So compilation album, yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about Ska already. We've touched on it. But let's go to 1981. And it is the compilation called Dance Craze, mm-hmm. the best of British Ska. Um, released in 1981, but it was kind of taken from that 1979, 1980. And the, you know, the two-tone movement that was started by Jerry Dammers and, of course, the specials were the very first single, Gangsters. Um, this album is just absolutely fantastic. This is full of energy, full of life, and it just you just want to get up on the dance floor when you listen to this album. And when I was at that age at school, when I heard some of these songs for the first time, it's like, wow, this is amazing. And, and that's where it all started. You know, some of the stuff on here is just fantastic. And you know, I was talking to you the other day when I mentioned this album to you, and then I looked down and I looked at all the tracks, and I thought, well, you've got the specials, you've got the mm-hmm. beat, you've got Bad Manners, you've got Madness, you've got the Selector, you've got the Body Snatchers, Rhoda Dacker is, is still touring on her own, so she's yep. a singer. All of these bands are still playing live. I mean, Specials just toured a few months ago. Yeah. I'm going to tomorrow night. The beat are playing, you know, Dave Wakeland, the beat in America, 
mm-hmm. uh, California, he stays, he's out there. Uh, had him over uh, in the borders for three years on the Trot and Gala Shields on stage, dancing with Dave Wakeliffe from the <laughs> That's my amazing. Daughter, my daughter playing saxophone with them, which was just incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, so I'm looking at this album and I'm smiling to myself and I'm thinking, love it. I just <laughs> love it as much as I did when I first picked it up. I've had a song on this album completely stuck in my head. Every single night, every single day, I am walking around going, you know, you know, it isn't easy. Easy Life is a song I'd never, I, I maybe I did hear it. Maybe I heard it 30 years ago, but it was never something that stuck with me in my musical fabric. And it is a song that has gone on my song a day playlist where I add a new song that I found that I really enjoy. It's such a great song. Uh, one of the cool things that I think in ska music that I found from this album and I did go and I looked on YouTube and there is concert footage. Cause this album was actually a documentary that got made by, yeah. a, a, by an American who initially was going to do a documentary on madness, but then they found out about two tone mm-hmm. and they realized that all of these ska artists were coming through the United States and they captured the, that. So I recommend anybody go to YouTube and take a look at this, but I was really just, excited by the fact that there are so many women present in ska music and in the front of ska music more so than i think you get in rock more so than you get in country i won't say pop music because that's got its whole thing going that it's selling over there with young women but those young women that are in pop music are nothing like the women that are in ska (laughs) they've got a message to tell and pauline black is just outstanding Pauline Black, lead singer with the selector. I've been lucky enough to dance on stage with the selector. Oh, surprise, <laughs> surprise. Yeah, that, that's even on YouTube. I'll send you the link for that one. <laughs> I've just been so lucky. I've been in the right place at the right time. You know, being with part of the radio. And then I was at a gig and I met the sound engineer, Kevin. He's called Kevin Kinchin. If you listen, Kevin, great lad. Love him to bits. He was able to get me backstage uh, when the selector were on. And uh, Pauline Black was like, yeah, just let them dance because <laughs> you can yeah. see them dancing behind them. And they let me in the front of the stage, and it was incredible, you know, two, three thousand people at a ska gig. And That's really brilliant. Um, and to think I've danced with the beat on stage as well. <laughs> so, you know, the big one's madness. I don't know how I'm going to get on stage with madness. <laughs> Got to figure that out tomorrow night, don't you? One of the things that I think stands out that what's the word I want to use that solidifies these guys, all of this movement, guys and gals, as far as it went is that a lot of these bands had a hit in America as well. Even if it was just one song, they did break in America. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, these, these songs were present in my life growing up. And it's unfortunate because I'm going to say, and you can reach through the, the computer screen and, and slap me. I had a bad opinion, not a bad opinion. My opinion of ska music before I listened to this album was that Ska music is all one song that's really good that goes on a little too long after 10 minutes. And I'm going to completely retract that statement from my life now. Good for you. I think you should, yeah. (laughs) Because it's not. It's not at all. There's a similarity in a lot of the songs. And that similarity is in the, the style, the upstroke. But that same similarity you'll find in a distortion pedal for rock songs, that same similarity you'll find in a steel guitar for a country song, that same similarity you'll find 
in a, a keyboard or bass in a pop song. And that's just what makes up ska music. Mm-hmm. The dynamic in the songwriting is really cool. And, and how they put in their breaks and change songs so that it doesn't just stay, you know, for three minutes at a time. And then adding horns, you know, these bands that add strings, add all these different instruments. I think most ska bands would say, if we can fit your instrument into our band, we'll bring it in. If we can fit a washboard into the band, we'll fit you in. So I, I, I've really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm very thankful that I've had a week of listening to ska. Well, now we're going to switch things up and we're going to go completely away from ska and reggae and anything like that. Well, the beautiful South was not quite in that vein either. So we're going to come back to the mid eighties, late eighties. I believe it's kind of about the same era. What, what, yeah. Why don't you tell us what your song is? So this artist, yeah, you gotta, yeah, either love him or you hate him. Um, but he's big. He is big. Um, but this was his first band before he went solo. So we are talking about Mr. Moza himself, Morrissey, Stephen Patrick Morrissey from The Smiths. Mm-hmm. And the track that I've chose is There Is A Light That Never Goes Out, that Smith's track from 1986. Yes, I did some research on the track. It peaked at number 25 when it came out when it was released. However, NME, just a few years back, decided it was the 12th best song of all time, which is a huge accolade to earn over the past 25, 30 years since it's been released. Why this song for you, Paul? What does it mean to you? I first heard the Smiths back in, it must have been school days, I'd be 15 or 16, my friend John, um, he started listening to The Cure, and then the Smiths came along. So as much as I was loving ska, and that, that was me, but he used to go to his house and he would play slightly different stuff to what we're playing. He was a big ska fan as well. But suddenly the Smiths, and then you listen to the lyrics, and yeah, Morrissey can be a, de- a bit depressing <laughs> at times, as we know. But I don't know, there's just something about the melody in that lyric. I mean, if a double-decker bus kills the both of us, <laughs> to die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I mean, who can write a lyric like that and then make it into just an amazing song? So, yeah, I just started listening to the Smiths a little bit more, mm-hmm. and, and then obviously managed to go back the way because I think they started with 84. So I hadn't heard this charming man for some reason. I don't know how, because it's huge. Mm-hmm. But, so yeah, it brought me into the Smiths and then into Morrissey. And, and I've kind of followed him since. But that track we're talking about is my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> you, you you said you've had it for a couple of years now as your ringtone? Been sitting on my ringtone for a few years, yeah. Just, That's fantastic. I, I, I agree with you that there are people that love or hate Morrissey or the Smiths. I don't, I don't know if I fall into that category, so I'm going to agree with you because I observe that. But I also think what happens when you're growing up in the States is what happened when we were growing up in the States is we had R.E.M. who kind of had that alternative, sensitive rock music going on. And then I think The Cure found a way to wedge themselves in, in America a little bit better than The Smiths were able to. And, and I think when The Cure's disintegration album came out it just kind of blew over everything in my crowd Mm -hmm. and there were people who listened to the smiths but it was like you know here's i'm already listening to one guy whining over here (laughs) about the depressing stuff in his life and now this over here i i love how soon is now i you know I, i think i had a crush on a girl 
who loved the Smiths and I learned to love that song because I would had it on a mixtape or something as you do when you're 16, 17 years old in the late 80s. But I do think that there's there's something about the Smiths and not even Morrissey that's in the music that doesn't get attributed enough to the songwriting and, and what the song sounds like. And the guitar player. Oh, Johnny Marr is, is just a genius. Yeah. He is really one of the best guitar players, I think, to come out of Britain, hands down. He had a solo album, I think, a couple of years ago. is worth mm-hmm. checking out. Is it something to comment? I forget the name of it. Apologies to the listeners. But, yeah, something to comment. And it's Johnny Marr. But it's really worth listening to because, yeah, he absolutely is a fantastic guitar player. Now, I'm going to guess you've probably never met Morrissey. <laughs> no. Funnily enough, I've not managed to meet Morrissey. <laughs> I don't know if you you want that the Maybe reaction. Not. Yeah, the closest I got, if anybody knows the Scottish borders, you'll know Hoyk. Now Hoyk's a quite a small town. Mm-hmm. Now he played Morrissey played Hoyk maybe ten to twelve years ago, and the town hall only holds a thousand people. Oh wow! And I was at the front of the stage, so I was quite close to him. But uh, yeah, didn't manage to meet him. That's great. That's great. Put on a good show. Well, Paul, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show tonight and for answering all these questions, the album choices, the compilation, and the song that you would take with you if you went to a desert island. I want to encourage anyone who can. Can can they find your show on internet radio? Yeah, very easily. Just use the TuneIn app. Uh, Just search for TD1 Radio. So that's T for Tango, T for Delta, 1, TD1 Radio, uh, Gala Shields. Um, If you're in Gala Shields or the area, we're actually on FM, 106.5 FM. But anywhere across the world, just search for the TuneIn app where you can find us on the web. And my show is 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock Saturday night. I do crackers and cheese where I play lots of crackers and plenty of cheese. And plenty of cheese. That's fantastic. Paul, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you, talk to you about music, been waiting many years to have a chance to chat with you about music. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Uh, Jim. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. And uh, yeah, hopefully listeners will maybe pick up those albums, suggest it, have a listen and and enjoy them the way I enjoyed them the first time. That sounds great. I'm going to sign off and I'll be right back with you. Thank you everybody for tuning in to Maroon 5 been another fantastic conversation tonight with my good friend mr paul turner and his choices his castaway cuts thank you everybody who goes and tunes into his radio show on saturday night from six to eight o'clock and thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to the show tonight peace love and podcast